Welcome to the Take A Seat Podcast. This podcast brings awareness to disability sports and supports. We are talking to experts and athletes with a disability from around the world. Before we get stuck into this episode, we want to say a massive thank you to our sponsor, the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at suncoastspinners.com.au. Hey, welcome back. Episode nine. Here we are. We're back in the studio. Before we do jump into today's episode, I want to make sure that you all know that we are listening and we are watching out for your comments and questions. So we put out the question. We asked everyone, what do you want to see in the hard cards? And you responded, right? And there's a few of them dropped in today's episode, but who have we got on? We have Janine Watson on today. She has made Australian history as a para-athlete in Taekwondo. She's the first athlete to compete, but also win a medal. 20 years between any medal in abled or disabled or para-athlete and Taekwondo in general. Well, who better to talk to than herself? Janine, we'd like to welcome you to Take a Seat with us on the Take a Seat Project. I am absolutely honoured to be here on Take a Seat Project and looking forward to today. That's absolutely amazing. I mean, we I think I say it every episode, we absolutely love getting people on. We love talking to them. More important, we love sharing your stories and, and your perceptions. And then also just sort of, as always, raising awareness for disabilities, disability sports in general. So it's it's an honour to have you here, really, as, as an Australian Paralympian that's made history. So we, we've mentioned Taekwondo. What else have we accomplished? Taekwondo, I'd have to say, is probably what we'd say as my, on the books, is the biggest accomplishment. So three mm-hmm. world championships as well as the Paralympic bronze medal, the first Paralympic medal for Australia, but it was also the first medal in 20 years for the sport of Taekwondo for an Australian. So Lauren Burns in Sydney 2000 was the last time that Australia had won a medal at the Olympic standard. In the meantime of while I was still doing Taekwondo is I decided to take up wheelchair tennis as well Mm -hmm. and just so happened to win four national titles in a row and was also playing internationally. So there was at one stage I was training for both wheelchair tennis and taekwondo for the Paralympic Games for Tokyo. So I was trying to compete for two sports just... Because, you know, I, I'd like to be <laughs> a little just bit wasn't of an enough. Yeah, it just wasn't <laughs> yeah. enough. And, yeah, I've just been a sports person ever since I was little. I was six foot two when I was 13 years old. So when you're that tall. I love that. <laughs> it's something that uh, having read that about Janine and playing wheelchair tennis, there's no wheelchair netball. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny? I was talking last night. I was with, with Sean from, from basketball and his, his new support worker. And she was mentioning, well, Sean was trying to, convinced her to come down to basketball. And she goes, no, no, I'm like, oh, basketball, I don't know. Netball, I'd give netball a crack. And I was like, actually, that gives me a great idea to incorporate that into some training. Some yeah, I, I, I don't know yeah. of any wheelchair netball. So Netball, wheelchair netball would be interesting. Like the the three foot rule would be would be quite interesting. Of If that's the case, then I'm going to be using my tennis chair, which has the really wide camber of the, yeah, <laughs> of yeah. the wheels. Well, I was going to say, I, I think you could probably set it up where, you know, basketball you can catch it and you can kind of move on and then you can do two pushes of your chair where netball it would be kind of catch and stop 
and then throw on and, and do like a lily pad type yeah. of movement, which is what you see in the, the able version of Nepal, it, it would be very possible it, and it would teach you to use your teammates very well. It would. Yeah. It would also be really, really difficult because I've just started playing wheelchair basketball with Queensland Comets. Sorry, guys, the, <laughs> the, the Comets have poached me, not the spinners. Yeah, uh, that's right. Um, <laughs> and the biggest thing that I'm having trouble with at the moment is that sudden stop. So you've caught the ball yeah. and then you've got to also suddenly stop. So that would be difficult netball as well. They'd have to allow that little bit of a, a roll yeah. to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think definitely. surely either either you allow the roll completely and then if there's contact at the end, that would be a penalty on the offensive side or you stop the chair immediately or within immediate or no push allowed at all. Like you could catch it and roll with, but you can't actually. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like if they yeah. roll like further than three foot, then if there's contact after that point by the offense, uh, I mean, we could have a whole day thinking about the conversion. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we just, we, we do a brainstorm and we make a whole new sport. I'm down for that. I'm down for that. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely possible. But going back to what we were meant to be talking about, uh, I guess we could say, <laughs> is we're, we'll start with the hard cards. So yeah, keeping be, being someone that's listened to the podcast, uh, you'd know it well, but for people that haven't, uh, the hard cards are questions that we've gained from the internet, uh, from guests ourselves, actually, and James and myself, that are questions that are a little bit taboo and, and really make you sit back and go, oof, that's okay, you, you really did ask that question out of the blue. And that's what we get in the general public. Um, we've had a bit of a conversation pre-recording that people do ask these questions without knowing you and within 30 seconds of getting to know you. So a playing card deck here and the questions are written on the back. So James will fan them out for you and then we will read the questions on the back for you and you can start at the start at the end, wherever you feel, and answer as many as you like or as few as you like. I love this. And w when I listen to the podcast, I actually also go, how would I answer that question? Yeah, yeah. Even on Sunday, I was out on a picnic and uh, had a guy in a car stop and wind down the window and had asked me uh, one of the hard questions and it was a quite rude response. So um, I kind of mimic the way that the question's been um, asked to me, that's how yeah. I yeah, respond yeah. to it. <laughs> I imagine like it's, it's, it's certainly like, I think Cam and I sort of touched on this in the first episode, you know, in part of talking to, to, to yourself and, and others, we want to be able to educate ourselves as well as the listeners on how to do, how to talk to people more equitably, I guess. Like it's mm -hmm. like not an afterthought, more of a forethought. No. And I think these hard questions, I have no problem answering the hard questions, but I say to the people, what is your purpose for asking those questions? Mm. Are we having a conversation where you want to get to know me a little bit better and I want to get to know you? So that's what in the context, that's where a question could come up and you could say, could I ask you a question about your disability to get to know you a little bit more? Or are you asking a question because you want to judge? Are you asking a question because you want to show sympathy or you want to pity them? Mm -hmm. Or you want to ask a question just so you know? Or it's almost like that morbidity, curiosity mm -hmm. of that car crash sort of thing. Or I now know that so I feel better about myself. It's those quick questions where you've met them for 10 seconds or you stopped at Woolies and someone's tapped you on the shoulder and asked you one of those hard questions and the language that they've used. Exactly. So that's a daily occurrence and 
you can understand why people with disabilities will end up just going, I don't want to answer these questions anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to these hard questions. Mm -hmm. What do you got for me? All right. So the first question we have is, how did you or are you adjusting to changes in your life due to your disability? Question number two is, describe the most humiliating thing you've experienced. Question number three is, what is the one thing you want to change about yourself? First question on how do I, how have I adjusted or how do I adjust? I have multiple sclerosis, um, in particular secondary progressive multiple sclerosis. So, so it is a progressive disability. So that means it's not like I had a traumatic injury and say I've broken my back and spinal cord's been severed and that's it. There's no more disability. For me, each and every day, I come across a new impairment. So it will end up being, so if we listen to doctors, eventually I will be a vegetable. So mm-hmm. I have to adjust each and every day. And for me, it's taken a while and maybe mainly it's mental, uh, mental adjustment. And one of the things that I focus on is what I can still do, not what I can't do. Mm. And I listened to a book by Greg McEwan um, and the book was called Effortless. And he says, if you focus on the things you lack, you lose the things you gain. If you focus on the things you gain, you lose the things you lack. So if I focus every single day on what I don't have anymore. So for me, my multiple sclerosis, even though I may appear in normal um, terms is what most people would call normal, but everyone's not really normal. Mm -hmm. But let's say a functioning body. For me, I have no feeling in my arms or legs. I'm heat intolerant. So what that means, any increase in body temperature through activity or just going outside on a hot day, I get what's called ascending paralysis. So arms and legs become paralyzed. I also go blind. So they're what you would then see as your visuals. So, But then also I have problems with speech. I have problems with swallowing. I have problems with hearing. I have problems with bladder, with bowel, with heart. So anything that the brain actually controls, I'm going to lose that function. So if I focus on what I'm losing, then I'm not going to be in a good mental state at all. So I look on what I can still do. So my most recent um, MS symptoms while I was training for Tokyo is I was losing the ability to swallow. So I was actually choking while I was sleeping. I was choking on my own saliva because I couldn't swallow it properly. I would eat dinner and I just couldn't swallow it and I would choke, so I just wouldn't eat. I ended up losing 17 kilos um, for before Tokyo. I wanted to lose 10 because as a fighter, you always lose a little bit of, of that, that Christmas pud <laughs> um, <laughs> before you fight. So, And it was a case of working out the adjustment. What do I have to do to be able to still eat, to still be able to sleep and not choke? So the first thing I do, rather than being reactive or you just go or you go into that cycle of poor me, uh, you play the victim, there's nothing I can do, that type of thing, I went and saw a speech pathologist straight away. Yeah. So what can I do to be proactive to prevent this? And it was a case of doing 
exercises, so doing exercises, but also thickened fluids. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever um, seen thickened fluids, it's a powder which you put into your liquids and it makes it – water is kind of like – you can go all the way to like a gooey jelly sort of like substance through to sort of like almost a yogurty. So water becomes that yogurt consistency. We found for me, however, that I need to use a straw. If I use a straw, I can clear and swallow a lot better. So it's a case of I'm just drinking a cocktail. Yep. If I'll put a little I'll put a little umbrella and a little flower there as well. I'm just drinking through a straw. If that's what I have to do to be able to still eat there. For eating, it's now my main meal is at lunchtime when I'm not as fatigued as much. It's more mindful. So instead of sitting in front of the TV and you're talking and that type of thing, I'm actually mindful when I eat and make sure that I'm chewing properly so that I don't swallow. So today I am wearing heels. So I've got probably, what would you say, three-inch heels on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give or take. Um, So six foot two. So that now makes me six foot five because I just wanted to be more of a giant. Yeah. I have drop foot on the right-hand side, Mm -hmm. but heels actually makes me go up on my toes. So I don't have a normal heel strike. Yeah. So the foot doesn't drag as much. So just little tiny things of being proactive makes that adjustment through. Yeah, yeah. that that proactive proactiveness, but also the, the positive mindset around continually trying to find adjust to whatever new circumstances you find yourself yeah. in. That's an incredible mindset. Most humiliating thing, probably the most humiliating thing I would have to say was back in 2015. I just won my first world championship and had come back and was looking for sponsorship because taekwondo, not a very popular sport, don't get a lot of sponsorship. I'm 100% self-funded. So I was trying to get sponsorship and I was looking for all these places and I'd contacted a well-known supplement company and contacted head office and they said, yep, we'd love to sponsor you, but we'll do it through your local um, your local stores. Go into your local store and they'll sign you up for a sponsorship. When I got there, I spoke with the store um, owner um, and told him about me. I just won my first world championship. I have MS. I'm a para-athlete. His words to me was, you will not sell our products. No one wants to be a middle-aged disabled woman. You will be bad for our business. That's atrocious. No one should even say that at the best of times, let alone... To someone standing directly in front of, uh, wow. So I then left the store and sat in the car and I just cried and I just went, everything that I've worked for, that's how people still see me. Like, yeah. fair enough, I don't look that good in a bikini. And when I, then looked, <laughs> <laughs> when I then looked, all of their sponsored athletes were people that um, were in a bikini. That was their sport. And from that day, I have not sought sponsorship since. I just went, that's still a case of I can't, I can't do that. I think back and go, I wish I was mentally strong enough at that point to then go back in and say, hey, you people may not want to be a middle-aged disabled woman, but they want to be someone who is strong, who is gritty, who shows resilience and can show that no matter what happens, they can overcome it 
and do the best that they can. That's what I wanted to go back and say. Yeah, like everyone wants to be the best version of themselves possible. And if someone like yourself can be posterized, put on a poster and actually have a, a mainstream form of exposure to show to other people that might have just been diagnosed with MS that you can achieve greater things than than sitting in your room and dwelling on the past, as you were saying, yeah. you know. And if that's – oh, that's, yeah, that's pretty poor, isn't it? I, I look at it on the other side as well, though. They said that no one would buy the product because you were a middle-aged woman with a disability and, and wouldn't buy it. How do they know that that wouldn't actually sell products mm. that because they had a middle-aged woman with a, with a disability that they wouldn't actually bring in a lot of people that go, well, well, that product actually might be really good for me. And it's not necessarily just as a athlete. It could be as a meal supplement. It could be a replacement, as you said, struggling to eat food or swallow, that mm. type of thing. It could have literally opened an entire another market for them rather than what they've lost they could have gained and and that's your exact mentality that you've said is don't look at it of what you can't do but what you can do and what you can gain from it so they really miss the ball big time by that what i what i do want to ask on that though is you said that you have not sought out sponsorships since yep now it's not cheap to travel around the world especially to tokyo and different avenues to compete how are you funding that? Like, how, how are you getting to these tournaments and that now? 95% of it's still self-funded. Since winning then another two world championships and then also qualifying for the Paralympics, uh, I was then able to receive AIS funding, some, so some grants, as well as being individual scholarships through um, Queensland Academy of Sport. But in terms of it, again, 95% of it, yeah. it is still self-funded. I was working full-time jobs to be able to compete. Jobs, plural? <laughs> jobs. <laughs> Even being a, a, a head of uh, mathematics and science at, I, I hate to say it because I'm an empty grammar boy, but <laughs> Brisbane State High School, and like that's a high-profile job to then have another job on top of it and training for tennis and training for taekwondo yep. and living a life with, with your partner and Wow, that's a one busy woman. When did you find time to en enjoy life as yourself? Um, I would have to say at that point in time I didn't. Yeah. Um, I was solely driven. So when you have that that dream of this is what I want to achieve, you sort of get fixated of this is what I need to do. Um, and unfortunately my partner, he, he – um, lucked out. Um, but we talked about it and said, it's just for this time period. Um, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do for me. This, unfortunately, when we look at the time, this is what needs to happen. Also looking back at the end of 2019, I was medically retired from Education Queensland. So my MS was affecting me so much that I was unable to work. So I ha was medically retired at the end of 2019, qualified for the Olympics on February the 29th, 2020. And then the next week, COVID uh, sort of disrupted. And so it was a case of 
not working after working for 18 years with Education Queensland, qualifying for Paralympics and then finding out that you may not be going to the Paralympics because it could be completely cancelled, having a progressive disability and not knowing whether or not I would be functional enough to be able to fight because I was the only person in the world with MS who was competing in Taekwondo at that level. And then also throwing in knowing that they were changing the rule classification rules as well. Yes, yeah to declassify me because I was the only person with a neurological impairment competing in Taekwondo. When did you find that out going into Tokyo because you won a bronze medal and got interviewed by Channel 7 and straight away you had already known that the classification had been changed but at the same time knowing that it was the last time that you would compete at the Paralympics in that event. Your emotions would have been from here to here. Like, how did you feel and what are you doing since then now? I, my coach and I found out in May of 2021 that they were changing the classification only because the diligent teacher and me, I'm up to date on every single classification ruling that there there is. And I found a document to say that they were changing the classification. They actually tried to change the classification rules before Tokyo, which means that I, would have been, I wouldn't have been able to go. But they had a ruling. I'd already qualified. They had to stick to that cycle. Yep. So they were changing it the very next day after I competed. So I'd worked with my sports psychologist on that. And the frame, mental frame that we came through was one of gratitude of they changed the rules in 2018 to allow me because I was still fighting able-bodied and then they banned me from able-bodied competition um, because they said someone with brain injuries couldn't compete in able-bodied. And then in 2018, they allowed me into the para taekwondo. So I was very grateful that I was able to be back into it. So it was, I've got my chance. So I actually lost my first fight by one kick and that then put me into the repercharge round and I had probably six hours of waiting from my first fight to then the second fight and it was a case of then mentally going, you've got no more chances. Like there's no Paris for you, there's nothing, This this is it, so what are you going to do? And for me, it was about enjoyment. This is your last chance. Do what you can do. And that's the attitude that I had. And I can't control what they, the, the decisions were made. I don't agree with the decisions that were made. Um, I've looked at the, their studies and their data and it's based on opinions rather than facts and evidence. But I can't control that. It was then a case of going, okay, what are we going to do now? Let's see if you can make it to Paris. So I've now been trying all different sports and with the help of the Queensland Academy of Sport and Paralympics Australia, I've been trialling all different sports just to see what I like, what I don't like. Afterwards, I went straight back to wheelchair tennis and I was playing the summer series down in Melbourne in January, which was the lead up to the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. and the left side of my body has deteriorated a little bit more, so particularly my left arm. Um, so I've actually started wheelchair badminton. Wheelchair badminton? Yeah. 
Where do they do that? Well, at the moment, I'm training um, at Wakeley in mm-hmm. Brisbane. My friend Wendy, who has competed for Australia twice at the Olympics, with her coach. So I seek out the best people straight away. There's yeah. Again, I do it 100%. And the thing I like about wheelchair badminton is it's done on a half court, so there's not as much pushing. Yeah, The racket is lighter, so we don't have to strap the racket to my hand like we used to with tennis. And my wingspan with yeah. half a court in badminton means that I actually take up the whole court. Yeah. <laughs> and my sitting height is as high as some people's standing height. Mm. So I've been well, able- that's to- definitely me. <laughs> There's no arguments about that. You're definitely sitting taller than I stand. <laughs> so I've been able to transfer those tennis skills over to badminton. I can be classified for wheelchair badminton and in Australia there was only three athletes with MS who went to Tokyo. So people with MS are told not to exercise. We've interviewed two of them now. We have. Hey, what, really? We've interviewed Carol Cook and Janine Watson. Yeah, Carol was our trailblazer. Who's the third? We gotta get them on. Yeah, we gotta get the third. third. Yeah, we gotta get the, the all three. Third is M. Petricola, who won t- uh, a gold medal and a silver medal uh, in cycling again. Oh, cyclist. So we're, we're gonna have to we're do that reach out now. Mm. We have to have all three. We can't. We can't have. You've got to get the trifecta. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. We just can't not. The Take a Seat podcast is in your ears thanks to the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a wheelchair-based sporting club. They run social inclusion programs, including but not limited to basketball and rugby. If you want to get involved with the Suncoast Spinners programs, you can just rock up at Mergen, Morayfield and Sippy Downs on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays or contact them on Instagram, Facebook or their website www.suncoastspinners.com.au. The Suncoast Spinners programs are for people of all ages and abilities. They're looking for players, officials and volunteers to help with all of their programs. So make sure you check out the Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram or on their website again, www.suncoastspinners.com.au. I'm going to hijack question number three, only because of what we were talking about pre and oh. and I, I've stitched up James beforehand. So we got a question on Instagram in particular from uh, a viewer. And their question was, can you help me? My partner has a spinal cord injury and has constantly myself or him being asked about their sex life. And I kind of just having a chat with Janine before the recording, asked her that question and, and said that that was a question that had come up and she had an unbelievable answer for it. And James is a little bit late getting here today and she has just given it to him at the, at the get-go. Yeah. And our producer, Dave, was in the in the studio and had a great laugh at it. But I'm, I'm going to ask that question to, to yourself, Janine. How do you deal with out-of-the-blue questions, being tapped on the shoulder at Woolies and getting asked about your sex life? How, how do you approach those type of questions? I'm very open with my disability, but it's a case of how you actually ask questions. So if you're going to ask someone about their disability, actually have that conversation with them because you want to get to know them, that type of thing. And you actually ask, could I ask a question about your disability? But when you've met a person for the first time of 10 seconds or I get tapped on the shoulder at Woolworths and a question's asked or someone drives and stops their car and winds down the window and asks the question as you're having a picnic. Those are the types of things. And they're actually very blunt and very rude. So 
I actually sometimes reverse that ableism. So would you actually meet a person or the next time you're in Woolworths, would you just tap a random person on the shoulder that's in in line and say, how's your sex life? So um, I did some reverse ableism on James as he walked in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I walked into a loaded room, that's for sure, yeah. (laughs) And and Lisa, how did you feel about that with uh, you looked – Stunned. Absolutely was, stunned. Look, uh, a stunned mullet would be one way to describe it. So as I walked in, to give you some context, so as Cameron said, I got here a bit late and so Janine was already here, producer setting up, uh, everything's all set, we're good to go. And I walk in the room and I get hit with a question as to, uh, oh, I just seen you you walking with your legs. Does does that mean that you're... I did use the correct terminology. <laughs> you, I yeah. did say. So I said, I've just noticed that you've walked in, so your legs must be walking. Does that mean that your penis also works? So can you get it up? Yeah. And yeah. it was, yeah, that's the stunned mullet look. and <laughs> Struck, confused, bamboozled would be <laughs> a word, yeah. It puts it in the forefront of your mind as to how to... When if you have ever asked these questions before or if you've ever heard someone ask someone, it puts it in the forefront of mind as to what it does feel like because it's I've never been asked those kinds of questions before. And so that's totally uh, ab- abnormal for me to, to, to hear, hear that. But that's what people <laughs> with a disability To get. go through every day, yeah. yeah. It, and the other thing is the biggest one that I personally, and again, this is my lived experience and what, grates me is when people ask what's wrong with you yes yes absolutely nothing wrong. and I will I will reply back with nothing's wrong with me what's wrong with you <laughs> and they're like no what's no what's really wrong with you and I'm like okay well there's plenty of things wrong with me like when I'm driving like I sing way too loud <laughs> when I go to Bunnings I actually can't leave Bunnings without buying a plant so now I have to go I can't supervise. leave without buying a sausage <laughs> I have to buy a sausage I'm, I'm honestly devastated when the sausage sizzle isn't on <laughs> it's you, you you drive in the wind goes down it's there good <laughs> yeah. it's again it's a subconscious bias that I'm right, you're wrong, of using the word wrong. So yes. it's okay. if you want to ask me of why I'm in a wheelchair or, or things like that, could I ask what your disability is or do you mind if I ask what your impairment is? Yeah. But things like that, it's it's a case of what's wrong with you. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. I think it was – I think Nikki got – got onto us on the Instagram as well and, and her question or her response to our, our story for the hard cards was it was should you ask people what their disability is and how should you do it if at all? Um, so that aligns exactly with what you were yep. just saying. Like, and then from there it's it's a matter of – You can receive a yes or no and and if it's a no, it's like, all right, okay, I can, I can move on uh, or get to know the person, you know. Uh, you don't have to just come in and ask that that open-ended question of, oh, you know, what is your disability and, and then get the, no, I, I'd rather not talk about it. Yep. You can then, okay, well, um, how's your day been? What, are, what have you been up to? You know, um, would you like me to help you with anything? Or, you know, you can you can then start a conversation and it doesn't have to be the conversation starter, but it, if the person then wants yeah. to move on from it, you can. Here's almost like a little dare for you, like next time you're at Woolworths, the, the person in front of you in the queue, I want you to tap them on the shoulder and say, can you have sex? I know 100% <laughs> with the look of me. 
I am definitely either going to slap or, or punch in the face. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I'm just going to cop this just straight in the Should chin we, and I'll just be like, oh, well, okay. Should we do this on an Instagram reel? Yeah, is maybe. It, is it too comedian-ish? I, I'm, I was actually going to ask Janine if I can borrow some protective equipment and then go and do it. No, I'll just I'll just walk with a banner behind you saying, it's for a podcast. Read the sign. Don't slap. But you think about it, you go, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask – to do that to the general public. So why is it then okay for someone that I can see who has a disability, why is it then okay f- for me to say that mm. without even knowing them, their context or anything like that? For me, I don't get so much of can you have sex. It's more of a, a guy thing. Um, for mm-hmm. me, it's a case of can can you have kids. That's that's the one that I I get all the time is, oh, can you still have children? Yeah. Um, and my reply is, yes, but I don't want them. I'd rather travel the world and drink cocktails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Because otherwise if you go, oh, can you still have kids and they, and you say no, it's like, oh, that's so sad. And it's like, well, having kids is not the be-all and end-all. There's plenty of other things. You were also a teacher for 18 years, so you've dealt with a lot of people's kids and, and you've probably gone, yeah, nah, I've seen them for eight hours a day. I, I, I know what kids are up to. I don't want to deal with them outside of school hours and that anyway. Yeah, and I've taught that many kids. Like it's just eliminated like every name under the sun because there's been one of those naughty kids that you never go, if I had that kid, I'm never going to call him that name because I remember that kid that I taught back in, in the time. So think to yourself, yes, people will, most people will actually talk to you about their disability, but it has to be in a context of that. Mm. And you have to be able to approach it. I actually love talking about my disability to children. So I was a deputy principal at Eleanor State School and I was in charge of the year twos. And the year twos, they they ask so many questions, but it's not from judgment or pity or anything. It's just inquisitive. They actually want to know. And they don't have that fixed mindset of a disability is bad. So some days I would be walking, some days I'd be in my chair. So they'd say, Miss Watson, why are you in a chair some days but you're walking other days? And I'd say to them, well, when I'm in a chair, it's a really, really hot day and that means that my legs are not working properly, so I need a little bit of help. And I always name my chairs. So my day chair, my first one was Daisy, the day chair, and then my second one was Begonia. Thanks to my year nine math class, they named that. It was either that or Gertrude, but it went down to a a vote. And year two's little eight-year-olds, they're like, okay. And then the next day... I'll be walking and they're like, yeah, it's it, it's a pretty cool day today, isn't it, Miss Watson? I'm like, yeah, it is. And then next week they see me in a in my wheelchair and they're like, oh, it's a hot day today, isn't it, Miss Watson? I'm like, yeah, it is. And they're like, oh, can you, get, can you give me a ride on your wheelchair? And so there's no sort of like, oh, that poor person's in a wheelchair sort of thing. That's one thing that I, I found even uh, wheelchair league and basketball and just general, if there's a wheelchair, uh, so we had some family friends come up uh, from Sydney and I got a sports chair uh, given to me by Corey that was actually on the podcast. It's in the garage and uh, we went through the garage to go for a, a walk as, as friends and the kids were like, you got a wheelchair, can I get in it, can I get, and kids really do want to get in a wheelchair. Like it's a it's a very common thing that, that they want to just be in the chair and, and, or going for a ride or that type of thing as well. And again, they don't have that fixed mindset that a wheelchair is something bad. 
they see a wheelchair like it's a scooter or a skateboard or a bike. It's a mobility thing which can get you from A to B or be fun. However, adults, we have ingrained in us that if you're in a wheelchair, something is wrong, something is bad. On the flip side of, of the kids, adults, how do you get seen by adults as well? Depends whether I'm standing or whether I'm in my wheelchair. I say that I'm one day going to write a book called Dumb Shit People Say to Me When I'm in a Wheelchair. <laughs> Some classics. And these are all very well-educated adults who I think try to fill the void of silence by saying something. I have to say something rather than not say something sort of thing. Um, Classic ones of a person seeing me in a wheelchair. Oh, but you were so tall. My response, still am tall, just sitting down. I get spoken to slower and louder when I'm in my wheelchair. And I'll actually say to them, uh, hearing's okay today. You can talk to me pretty normally. I've even had a special needs teacher that said to me while I was in a wheelchair, you don't look disabled. And my response was, you don't look stupid, but looks can be deceiving. <laughs> Other times when people say, oh, you don't look disabled, I'll then slouch in my wheelchair a little bit and just sort of um, pretend to drool and go, oh, is this a better picture of what you think I should be looking like when I'm in my wheelchair? I've been patted in my wheelchair because they pitied me so much and called me, oh, you poor thing, as they were patting me. And I said to them, don't pity me. I said, my life is absolutely fantastic. It's actually better than yours. Yeah. The other thing is you also get, oh, you're such an inspiration. And it's like, I'm just doing the shopping. Like, there's nothing inspirational about getting my bread and milk. Like, yeah. But, or, oh, it's good to see you out. And whenever I see yeah. something like that, it's good to see you out. I always look at my watch. I don't know why, but I look at my watch and I go, oh, yeah, it's Thursday. They let us out on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> That's so oh, funny. James. It's oh. funny, but it's true. It is. Yeah. It is. But, uh, yeah, the, the bartender had come up to the table and, and we sort of try and go there after basketball for, for the 50 cent wings every night, every sorry, every every Wednesday. And so she came over and she was like, oh, it's so good to see you guys out here. And I was like, where's this going? Like, don't don't make it like that. But then she kind of followed up and she's like, you know, see, see you out here every week, you know, like as, as regulars, like it's good to see, good to see you coming back and enjoying the place and et cetera, et cetera. And then hang around to have a conversation with, introduce herself and her name and to introduce herself to myself and Sean and whatnot. And it's sort of like, at, at first I'm probably like, the first person to recognise when someone says something wrong. For example, if there's a press release or a press conference or something and, and they say, so good to see these special people doing their lives. It's like, oh, she really used the word special. Or so forth. And then when she came up and said, it's so good to see you guys out. And I was first to sort of on the back end judge and be like, well, why, are you, why are you saying that? But it was actually from a, you know, if, if I was there with, with Cameron, it shouldn't have been any different. The thought process shouldn't have been any different. Would she come over to us? If we go in every week, I think probably genuinely she would have. So yeah. it was kind of like I'm all uh, yeah. I don't know where I'm going. And, and here, to give context, <laughs> Sean is in a wheelchair. Sean Sean's Sorry. actually come and filmed a, a couple of episodes in that for us as well. And Sean has HSP, so he has what is they say technically the male equivalent of MS, yeah. and and it gives you that instant mindset of oh okay, 
are they coming to talk to me because Sean is in a wheelchair and they're just coming to give the pity or are they actually coming to have a conversation to have a conversation? Yeah. And that's that's exactly the type of mindset that you had, James. Yeah. And <laughs> it's the thing of we're regular people doing regular things, living a regular life. It's just that we have a different challenge to other people. And like I said, you don't know what other people are going through. So what they may appear to be normal or something like that, like I said, you could go to absolutely anybody and say, what's wrong with you? And they could spit a whole list of things that's actually wrong with them. So just because it's a wheelchair, it's, it's, I think it's like it's a bicycle. It's exactly. it's a car. It's a mobility. It's something that actually helps me do what I want to do. Exactly. Yeah. My first ever time of going to a training session with other people for wheelchair tennis, I met a guy and he's like, so what level are you? And I said, I'm a beginner. <laughs> And yeah, yeah. he's like, no, 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 what what level of spinal cord injury are you? And I'm like, oh, no, no, I have, didn't break my back. I said, I've got MS. And he just looked at me and he's like, well, you're effed, aren't you? And then just wheeled <laughs> off. And I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. There, There's so many things that I know we could dive into this for another three, four hours easily with Janine. Like it's the topics and and your opinion and your explanation of things has been unreal. Yeah, you, you speak so well and, and so giving us such different perspectives. And it's that case of rethinking. I've talked quite a lot about it, that fixed mindset and that growth mindset. And growth mindset is not I can't do it, it's I can't do it yet. Yes. And if you focus on, okay, I may not be able to do do this, but I can do this. What's my alternative? People with disabilities are fantastic problem solvers. Like if you want to employ someone to fo- think outside the box and problem solve, have someone with a disability because that's what they've been doing their whole life. We have to rethink. We have to problem solve. We have to go, well, what about this? Let's try this. And if it doesn't work, let's try something else. Dan McCoy said that in the very first episode. If you want to get something done, ask because you can adapt everything. You can make everything happen and and it's a really good way to say that. But uh, on that note, like I I think we we just invite Janine to come back and and have another chat with us because I think we're going to – definitely get down a lot more rabbit holes and go into a lot more pathways because we have not touched nearly enough today with her and and – it's I, I've enjoyed every single second of it and I have a whole heap of notes and everything and I haven't even looked at my <laughs> I haven't computer. even looked at the notes. That, the, that's what I do. I just railroad you into everything. But that's what that's what we want is we want to know your like I have your bio and everything written on my computer, but I haven't needed to because it's this this is how the conversation's gone. This is where the conversation your story has gone today. And it's a snippet of your life today. Thank you for coming on with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Enjoyed every minute of it. Thanks for listening to this episode. We appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast, but most importantly, sharing it with people you think it will impact the most. Before we go, again, a massive thanks to our sponsor, the Sunco Spinners. The Sunco Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. 
Follow the Sunco Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at suncospinners.com.au. 